0: What an exciting morning. Uh, We're going to be in Psalm chapter 3. Our text this morning is about a time of struggle, a time of hurt and pain. Um, If you remember the history of King David, he, uh, in the midst of his reign and rule, Uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba and then uh, murdered her husband. And he eventually repented of his sin Um, and God is a good and gracious God and uh, is forgiving and yet there's still consequences uh, for sin and similar sins came into his family. Uh, Amnon rapes his sister Tamar. And then Absalom murders Amnon. And then Absalom is wanting to take the kingdom from King David. And so then David is on the run trying to get away from Absalom. His life is in danger. And it is that situation that this psalm is written about, about David being on the run from his son Absalom. This is a, it, I can't imagine that family experience. It, it's tragic. Um, and so it's about this experience that David writes. So turn with me to, to Psalm 3 as we read through it. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. God, as we take a look at your word this morning, I ask that you'd give us open eyes, open ears, open hearts uh, to your word, that you would remind us that salvation belongs to you. And we thank you that it does. Uh, We pray this in your name, amen. Ultimately, this psalm is about where salvation can be found. It's about who salvation belongs to. The big idea to leave with this morning is that Salvation belongs to the Lord and your blessings beyond your people. This is verse 8, the last, last verse of, uh, of the psalm. That's the big takeaway. And I would encourage you all to, to memorize that verse. It's a pretty simple uh, verse to, to memorize and it's an important message for us to remember and be reminded of. Salvation belongs to the Lord and your blessings be on your people. The world wants to tell you that Salvation belongs to someone or something else other than the Lord. The world desires for you to seek after anything other than Jesus to find hope and salvation. In Psalm 3, we see a glimpse of how David, in the midst of chaotic family and political turmoil, fights against the thinking that salvation can be found in something or someone other than the Lord. And so I I broke down this psalm into three different truths. First of all, people cannot provide you with salvation because salvation belongs to the Lord. And secondly, when the world around you seems to be falling apart, prayerfully find your rest in the character and work of God because salvation belongs to the Lord. And thirdly, God will actively save and bless his people for salvation belongs to the Lord. So the first point here, that people cannot provide you with salvation because salvation belongs to the Lord. David writes, "O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. David is seeing and hearing things that are incredibly discouraging. Um, People are rising against him. People are speaking against him. They're saying that there's no salvation for him. Um, And this would be a devastating indictment if it was true and if David placed his hope in people. Um, Before we look deeper into what exactly David is seeing and hearing, uh, let's just think through a few common ways that we can be tempted to find salvation in people. Um, This temptation to find salvation in people comes in a variety of different forms. Uh, Some of us are tempted to try and find salvation in a romantic relationship. The thought is if I find uh, that person, then I would be happy and I would be saved from my singleness or I would be satisfied. then I would be in heaven, right? Um, this is a lifting up of a romantic relationship uh, or even making marriage as, as an idol. Um, there are great things about relationships. God has made us for relationships. God created marriage and it is good, uh, but romance and marriage cannot save you. They can offer temporary joy, but it's just that. It's not everlasting life. Another way that we can be tempted to look to people for salvation is in politics. We've seen this recently, haven't we? Uh, There's a lot of rhetoric being thrown around about the very soul of the nation being on the ballot, the soul of the people, the soul of the nation. What is that about? That is spiritual rhetoric. That's the rhetoric of salvation. Your soul and the soul of the nation is on the ballot. This is what they said. And each side of the aisle says that if you vote for them, then you're voting for heaven and against hell. Um, Each side says that they will bring heaven to earth, while a vote for the other party is to bring hell to earth. The truth is this, that nations rise and fall, but the word of the Lord lasts forever forever. The kingdom of God is eternal. Salvation, heaven and hell, heaven will not be brought from the left or the right. Uh, It comes from above and it comes from Jesus. We cannot find salvation in a president. Now I'm sure there's more examples of this, uh, but let's focus back on the text. David is seeing and hearing things from people. But what we see people doing and what we hear people saying can greatly affect us. And so we need to be careful that we're not living for the approval of man. By living for the approval of man, then we're seeking salvation from man. What we see in life can discourage us. David cries out to God, How many are my foes? And that's not a question, he sees that there's many of them. Uh, Many are rising up against me. So he's seeing people who are his family uh, turn to be enemies and rise up against him. What exactly is he talking about here? Uh, Turn to 2 Samuel 15. Uh, This is uh, what the psalm was written about, this situation. 2 Samuel 15 will give us more insight into, into what's going on here. 2 Samuel 15 says, After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So we can see the stage being set here. Uh, There would be people who desired to come and have a dispute settled, and Absalom uh, made himself very available to hear what they had to say. And Absalom is putting himself in a position to provide favorable judgments and favorable outcomes and is winning the hearts of the people and he's also specifically undermining David saying things to people like oh man like too bad the king hasn't put anybody in charge to listen to all this that what you're saying is right like if I was judged then I could provide justice and Absalom is filled with pride and has uh, greed for for power and this goes on for a while. Look at verse 7 and following. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow while I lived at Geshur and Aram, saying, If the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer worship to the Lord. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say, Absalom is king at Hebron. With Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited guests, and they went in their innocence and knew nothing. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gehenite, David's counselor from the city Galo, And the conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom kept increasing. And a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Absalom has used his influence to start a revolt against David. And it is a a lot of people that Absalom has turned against David. His foes are many. Many are rising against him. And it is happening before his eyes. He sees this and understands that he needs to leave and run away for his own safety. And again, like this is incredibly discouraging to have your own son doing this to you. David was also deceived by Absalom. Absalom makes it out that he's going to serve a a vow he made that he desires to worship God. Um, He offers up this spiritual reason for why he's wanting to go and, and leave, but his real intent is to stir up rebellion in the nation against his father. Absalom uses a spiritual reason that sounds good in order to deceive, and this all comes back to David as many people are rising up against him. This is a difficult uh, circumstance. This is betrayal. Um, What we see happening in life can discourage us. Thankfully, salvation doesn't belong to other people to give us. Our hope is not in what people do. Our our hope is in what Christ has done. This is why it's so important for us to fix our eyes on, on Jesus, What we see in life can discourage us, so fix your eyes on Jesus. Our life circumstances, again, can bring about discouragement. What people do can be discouraging. We can become fixated with what is happening around us. Our eyes can easily land on the situation in front of us, but we must fix our eyes upon the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed upon the Lord. We will see in a little bit exactly how David does this, uh, but David did not only see discouraging things, but he also heard them, um, and what we hear from other people uh, can be discouraging. David says, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Uh, to flip over to 2 Samuel 16, here we see a man uh, within this situation, David's on the run, um, and we see a man cursing David, starting in verse five. When King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually, and he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. This man is cursing David. David. And David responds in an amazing way. If you keep reading, there's a man who actually wants to go and cut off the head of the sky, Shimei, who's um, saying this stuff. Um, And David tells him not to. Uh, David also says that maybe the Lord will repay him with good because of this guy cursing him. Uh, But we see in in Psalm 3 uh, that David is discouraged by the words of people. And so here is my encouragement to you this morning. Don't only fix your eyes on Christ, but also fix your ears on God's word as well. Fix your ears on the truth of God's word. The world is full of lies. The world wants to hold your ears captive. But where do we know that we can go for truth? Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. There are a lot of sources out there that claim that they are the source of truth. But we know that the only source of truth is found in Scripture. Scripture. Are you seeing and hearing things that are discouraging to you today? Mankind cannot provide anybody with salvation. It doesn't matter what they do or say. They do not have the power of salvation. And So I want to plead with you to remember that salvation belongs to the Lord. Fix your eyes on Jesus and fix your ears on the word of God. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus and fix our ears on the word of God, we will begin to see the truth of who God is and what he has done. People cannot provide you with salvation because salvation belongs to the Lord. Secondly, when the world around you seems to be falling apart, prayerfully find your rest in the character and work of God because salvation belongs to the Lord. In the midst of this Trying situation, what do we see David doing? David turns to the Lord. He recounts the character of God and he remembers what God has done. He says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Now, what I'm about to say is something that I pray is something that you will hear me say often as long as I'm in ministry. It's an important truth and uh, you'll see this theme pop up in in Scripture and especially the Psalms. uh, It's a theme of the Psalms. The truth is this, that doctrine and history are extremely valuable and applicable to our daily life. Doctrine is the truth about who God is. History is the truth about what God has done. Why are Doctrine and history so important. What application does doctrine and history have for daily life? Well, here it is. When the day of trouble comes, oftentimes the first thing that we question about God is His character. And the first thing that we forget is what He has done. We tend to question doctrine and forget history. So when trouble and suffering come in life, we are tempted to question the character of God and forget what he has done. We're tempted to question God's character because we can think and ask questions like, how could a loving God allow this to happen? This questions the character of God's love. We're tempted to forget what God has done for us in providing salvation for us because we get so wrapped up in the present circumstance of what's happening that day. And here lies why it's so important to continually and consistently hear the doctrine of God proclaimed in the history of what God has done for us. Because we combat lies about God's character with the truth of God's word in the history of what God has done, is evidence of God's character. This truth became crystal clear to me when my friend passed away in the horrible accident in 2018. Psalm 77 became my favorite psalm, and in that psalm we see the psalmist questioning the character of God. But his appeal to respond to those questions is to remember who God is and what he has done. In the darkest moment of my life, what I had to cling to was what I knew about the character of God and what I knew about what he had done. And God kept me with those truths. Up to that point in my life, I knew that doctrine and history were important but I didn't understand how vital and how applicable uh, doctrine and history was until great suffering came. The doctrine of God and the history of what God has done kept me. and was a reassurance to me of the fact that God is still good and that God is still true and in control. And this is why when we preach and when we teach, our desire is to faithfully proclaim the doctrine and the history that the Bible provides to us about God, we need to hear about the truth of who God is and what he has done because it is tremendously valuable for our daily life, not only in how we live and interact with the people around us, but also when we're struggling and when we're hurting because of the trials that we face in life. And this is what, exactly what we see David doing in Psalm 3. Psalm 3. David is facing a a hard trial in his life as many adversaries, even his own family, are rising up against him, saying false things about him. And what does he do? He He runs to the comfort of the doctrine of God and what God has done for him. In prayer, David calls to mind the character of God by saying, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. God is a shield for us. Do you know that God is a source of protection for you? How is it that God protects us? We could talk a lot about different ways that God protects us. One way is that he protects us with truth. People are saying nasty things about David he finds protection in the truth of who God is. He finds protection in the truth that salvation belongs to the Lord and that God blesses his people. We can find protection in truth. The second way that God is a shield for us is in his offer of forgiveness of sin. When you hold a, a shield up, the shield takes the blow of whatever is coming your way. The righteous wrath of God was headed towards sinners, and Jesus stood in the way in order to save sinners. Sinners deserve the wrath of God, and every person in this room is a sinner. We all deserve the wrath of God. When we look at the cross, we can remember Jesus being our shield, our protection, our refuge. He is the propitiation for our sins, Jesus took on the full wrath of God that sinners deserved, and now those who confess and repent of their sins and believe in Jesus can have forgiveness of sins and salvation that Jesus offers. And so now those who believe in Jesus have Jesus as a refuge, a protection, a shield. Those who are saved need not, need not worry about facing the wrath of God because Jesus has already done that for us. He has not only washed our sin away, but has given us a new identity in standing before God. And unfortunately, a temptation that we face is to make other things a shield in our life. This is where the fear of man can be so devastating. Finding our refuge and protection in what people say about us is to stand on on sinking sand When the applause come and people are slapping you on the back and saying, good job, that feels pretty good. Uh, But when people start to criticize you and and hurt you, then the refuge is gone. There's no shield in that. There's no hope in that. Uh, We have to remember that salvation belongs to the Lord. God is the one who provides us with real protection. A serious question we should ask ourselves is what do I find protection in? What do I find protection in? What is it that I run to for comfort or security? And I, I urge you to run to Jesus in the midst of troubles in our life. Run to the Lord Jesus who is a shield of protection. Run to the Lord Jesus in prayer uh, for he is a shield about you. And he is your glory and lifter of your head. David says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Psalm 62.7 says something similar. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. We have a problem when we try to find our glory, our approval in mankind rather than God. God. This is what Jesus speaks of in John 5, uh, starting in verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me if Anyone comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And this is the temptation that we face, to find glory in man rather than God, to try and find our approval in what people say. This is a trap that we must stay away from by God's grace. Remember Psalm 62, 7, on God rests my salvation and my glory. Our salvation and glory does not rest upon men. So we see that God is our shield, our glory, uh, the lifter of our head, we also see this, that God is also a God who listens to and answers our prayers. God listens to and answers our prayers. This is an an amazing truth. Uh, David says in verse 4, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. The fact that the God of the universe is interested in hearing from us is amazing. Amazing. He loves you and cares for you and listens to you. And not only that, God answers our prayers. We can have confidence that God answers our prayers. God doesn't always answer our prayers with yes, but he still answers our prayers. This is breathtaking. The God of the universe who spoke all things into creation is mindful of us. That He would listen to us. That He is a God who is interested. Listen to some of these scriptures about prayer. Psalm thirty-seven, four and five. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. In Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. In Hebrews fourteen or Hebrews four sixteen, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is not a, a genie or vending machine to get what we want. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, then He is the desire of our heart, and we can have the desire of our heart, which is Him. And when our desire is for Him, we ask for forgiveness. And God grants forgiveness to those who confess and repent of their sins. God is a God who is rich in mercy and grace. And he is glad to provide those things for us. Because of God's character, we can have rest in the fact that he is in control. And that he will sustain us. Look at what David says in verse 5. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Have you found that there are times in life where the circumstances around you make it hard to sleep? Um, I, I've experienced this. Um, I've had this tossing and turning, not being able to shut off my mind, worrying and being anxious about something, uh, worked up about something. Uh, honestly, it, it, if I could see myself, if I was David, in the situation of being worked up about it, right? It's a hard situation to be facing in life. I'm confident that I would have had a hard time sleeping. Um, and if if I had a son who was searching for me to, to kill me, um, and if if you're trying to kill somebody. The time to do that is under the cover of darkness, maybe even when they're sleeping to get away with it. Um, But David is able to sleep. He is resting in the character of God. We can have rest in the character of God no matter what is happening in the world around us. We can rest and go to sleep knowing that God is good, that God is in control. David sees and Praises God for his protection and his provision. He wasn't murdered in the night, and he woke up and praised God for his protection. He says in verse 6, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Christians don't need to live in fear. The command to not fear is found all throughout Scripture. We know that we are promised to suffer and be persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Um, This can be scary, but we need not fear. God is in control, and we know how this all works out in the end. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jesus has risen from the dead and is victorious. Because of the saving work of Christ on the cross, those who repent and believe in Jesus have eternal life to be looking forward to. The things that we face in life can be frightening. Frightening. I want to remind you that no matter what we face in the future, fear not. God is good. Our hope is not in being comfortable in life. Our our hope is in Christ. When the world around you seems to be falling apart, prayerfully find your rest in the character and work of God because salvation belongs to the Lord. And thirdly, God will actively save and bless his people for salvation belongs to the Lord. David cries out to the Lord for salvation saying, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. It is the Lord who saves. It is the Lord alone who can save. It is the Lord Jesus who rose from the grave proving his power over sin and death and providing the salvation in life uh, he can provide for his people. In the risen Christ is where we find our hope of salvation. If Jesus had remained dead, he would have been no different than any other religious leader or teacher. But that is not the case. Jesus Christ arose from the grave and is alive and is seated at the right hand of God right now. Hebrews 10, 11-14 that Jesus paid was once and for all, and that sacrifice was himself. And now, in his resurrection, he sits at the right hand of God. And I hope that David's prayer of, save me, O my God, would come from each of our own lips. For we are sinful people in need of saving, and God will punish sinners who do not repent of their sin. The Lord will punish the wicked. God is a righteous and just God. He will strike his enemies and break the teeth of the wicked. Scripture is very clear. The penalty of sin is death. And all sinners who do not repent of their sin and believe in Jesus will face this eternal penalty. This is the truth. We are the wicked who deserve the wrath of God. We are the wicked, but Christ has taken that penalty for us. It is Jesus who is able to offer salvation because salvation belongs to him. He is the Lord. It is Jesus who pursued after his people by coming to earth, being born as an infant, living a perfect life, dying the death that we deserved and rising from the dead three days later. And in doing so, those who believe are now made alive in Christ and made into new creations. So now those who are in Christ will receive blessing instead of punishment. Verse 8: Salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessings beyond your people. Romans eight is one of my favorite chapters in in the Bible. Romans eight, thirty-one. Uh, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. The greatest blessing that the Lord gives is himself. And if God gives you himself, no one can take him away from you. May we, by God's grace, steer away from thinking that salvation can come from someone or something other than God people cannot provide you with salvation because salvation belongs to the Lord. And when the world around you seems to be falling apart, prayerfully find your rest in the character in the work of God because salvation belongs to the Lord. And lastly, God will actively save and bless his people because salvation belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. God we're amazed by you. Uh, we're so thankful that salvation belongs to the Lord. God help us to not seek salvation in anything or anyone other than you. Salvation belongs to you and you are the one who offers it and we thank you that in the midst of our wickedness we are in We fully deserve your wrath, for we rebelled against you. But because of the work of Christ, his complete and full work, that he is a shield to those who repent and confess their sin and believe in him, we thank you that we can find our rest in your character and what you have done. And so we praise you. You are an amazing God. We do not deserve your love or your grace, but you graciously offer your love. You graciously offer your mercy and the forgiveness of sin. We come before you in worship and thanks. And pray this in Jesus' name, amen.